Hi, and welcome to the Amity Podcast. We're a husband and wife striving for Amity. We're sitting down and talking through ministry life, theology, books, and family. I'm Lauren. And I'm Jono. It's good to be talking again, Lauren. <laughs> yeah, because what people don't realize is for like the month that we didn't put out, any, put out any recordings, we also didn't talk to each other. No, we didn't. We just... We just existed. We just existed in the same space. <laughs> uh, Jokes. <laughs> it's a joke, but it wasn't funny. So you gave me some sermon feedback on Sunday that it was cringe a few times, right? Yep. 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 So anyway, we'll talk about that in another episode. <laughs> um, so what we kind of thought uh, tonight, we're still trying to... Work out exactly where we're going. Um, but I think, like, I would explain it this way. We've got a lot going on. We've got a lot swirling around our heads. And there's a lot to kind of talk about. But there's not, like, one thing mm. that we can... We that can we're, like, kinda, deep diving on. Yeah, so I don't feel like we're ready to deep dive on anything. Like, mm. I'm preparing to deep dive. Yeah. Um, on numerous things. And um, so we kind of thought a little bit of a, what are you reading? What are you thinking about? Just a little bit of an episode. If you like listening to us, just talk. And we're going to have some insights to a few things here. Uh, this might be your cup of tea. It might not be. Um, whatever. This podcast is about us, right? <laughs> but... <laughs> But we have been encouraged, though, right? Yeah, we have been encouraged. We know there's a few of you that are still listening. <laughs> so, thank you. And it's nice. And people are like, hey, get back podcasting. <laughs> so, here we are. So, yeah. I mean, I might as well just... I'm planning out some sermon series and conference messages and all sorts of stuff like that. So, yeah. i got a lot swirling in my head. Um, mm. None of it's really landing. <laughs> um, but kind of what are some things that you are looking at and reading and thinking about? Like, we, we can alternate, huh? How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been kind of off the doing well reading wagon for a while. Mm. <laughs> Um, I'm still plugging along through Gentle Lily with our little mom's coffee group. Mm-hmm. I think I'm one week behind because I missed a week being sick. But um, I still, I don't, I don't love the book. That's okay. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I, I don't think any of us actually love the book. Which, it, because it's gotten such rave reviews. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, um, but it's been, it's been good. We've had some really good discussions through it. So I've been reading that because I have to. (laughs) And, um, and then just reading fiction and doing fiction audiobooks. Whoa. Audiobooks are reading people. They are, it still counts. I I, I said fiction though, like fiction is. Right. Like, yes, I have had people look down on me because mm-hmm. I count reading fiction as reading. Reading fiction helps your imagination, makes you more empathetic, and mm. empathy is sin, apparently. <coughs> um, oh, dear. Um, some people actually believe that. 
Um, yeah. They redefine empathy. Doug Wilson, James White, people like that. Mm. They redefine empathy to mean something else and uh, call it sinful. I, yeah, anyway. Enmeshment. Enmeshment. <laughs> yeah. I've read, I really like historical fiction, like good historical mm. fiction. It's not, I don't like smarmy romance novels or anything like that. Right. Like a good historical fiction based in fact, I really love, especially around World War II. Like, mm-hmm. I enjoy reading that. So, um, I'd actually listen to an audiobook for the second time. And it's just such a good book. The character development is so good. Um, And I always get started thinking, like, just the depth of character in, like, what World War II, like, the German occupation of your town. Like, if you were in a village Mm -hmm. that was then occupied by Nazis. Right. The the things that brought out of the humans that lived in that village, for bad or for good. And what, like, what decided that? What were those factors? What did those people do to survive? How did they treat their neighbors? Because there's people that just, you know, instantly started, like, ratting out their neighbors to have favor, you know, with the German forces and all that kind of stuff. And then there's those people that were, like, heroically trying to help other people and all of that. And I always just think, like, what would I be like in that situation? What would anyone be like? You know, what would my friends be like in that mm-hmm. situation? Mm-hmm. And it just starts, it gets me thinking about like loving neighbor and like right. what that looks like even when you're not in that kind of circumstance. What would I be like? <laughs> I don't know because it's, it's a, a, yeah, it's such a hard, you're put under so much pressure. Mm, sure, totally. But anyway. Interesting. Yeah. I just like thinking about that kind of stuff. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Been reading some fiction. I I am woefully inadequate when it comes to fiction lately, and it is not a good thing. And mm. I, it's so enjoyable too. It is, it is, and I just I I I've got like I've got too much to read. Yeah. And then it's like, uh, you need a holiday where you don't yeah. do any study and you don't read anything. Yeah. Like you can read the Bible if you want to. Sure. But yeah. just read fiction. Mm. Like, don't read anything because you have well, to. Well, I'm, I'm due for a sabbatical next year. Oh, right. Yeah, so. Um, That'll be interesting. Is that going to happen? <laughs> um, but, hey, we, we announced we're hiring a, well, sorry, we intending to call a. We announced a, at church. We haven't announced church. on the podcast. Yeah. Well, we're announcing it on the podcast right now. Okay. So, intending to call another pastor, um, an additional pastor. Uh, so that's great. No, what you what you originally said when you got up to make the announcement was, we're hiring a new pastor. Yeah, that's it wasn't right. another pastor; it was a, a new, new pastor. pastor. And everyone's like, oh. <laughs> and then you're like, wait, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I am preparing sermon series right now. Yep. And goodness gracious me, that is frustrating. Like, I prepared Habakkuk. Um, three chapters, but I I prepared it into five or six messages, and I wind up only actually doing five, uh, which is a miracle for me. Um, well, it's a short book. <laughs> I know, but but what I, I I asked a friend who'd preached it, and I said, "How many would you do?" And he said six, and I was like, yeah, "Fair enough, you know, we, we 
be fairly similar. Mm. And, but I, I prepared each message. It's interesting. Like, someone, someone came up to me after my second message and they're like, man, you must be holding yourself back so much here. Um, and what they meant was, I just, I planned the book out and the, and the sermon series, and, I, and I'm thinking, like, what's going to be my main point of my sermon here? What's going to be a Christocentric slash gospel link? Mm-hmm. And how do I not say the same thing every message? Right. Because that's, that's a real temptation. Like, mm-hmm. I think people just... It's very possible to do sermon series that aren't that long, but you're saying the same thing basically every week, and that actually gets quite boring. Um, so I think to keep something interesting, you, you've, you've got to be sort of saying, at the very least, the same thing different ways. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and that, well, that is kind of what you are doing normally. <laughs> exactly. And I, it's a it's a basic skill, but it's a, yeah. it's one that not everyone tends to have. And some yeah. some guys, if you preach once in a while, you know, you just yeah. you can kind of get away with, hmm. with with doing that. So I'm doing if we're looking at Ephesians in the morning. Yeah, I'm still trying to plan the the evening series, but Ephesians and there's been requests, numerous requests, election, predestination, foreknowledge. Calvinism, doctrines of grace, <laughs> etc. So I was re- I read the Canons of Dort today. Yeah. Um, nice. And once again, proved to me that the concept of tulip and the five points of Calvinism is honestly incredibly unhelpful. Mm. I think it just I, I don't. I'm I'm at the point where I'm just like. Are you a five-point Calvinist? I'm like, no. Because, like, I'm... Normally, my answer has been, what do you mean by that? And then I'll kind of say... Yeah. But it's just like, it's so... I think it's so out of sync with how they actually framed... Right. Uh, the, the, you know, mm. can... It's one small can, part of yeah. the picture. Well, it is. It's one small part of what considered Reformed theology. Right. And... But it's just not the language that they used. It's not right. the language that Calvin used. It's not the language that Augustine used. Yeah. Um, and it's just... And I, I think it's... It gets into a very simplistic um, way of being, you know, explained. And I, and I think it's just unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Mankind totally depraved. There's unconditional election, limited determined, irresistible grace. You can't... You can't you know, you can't say no and perseverance of the saints. And it's just it's just not helpful. It's just not. Yeah. Um, so I think really going back to some of those reformed confessions uh has been been quite useful and then now I'm trying to work out like how I helpfully bring this into a sermon series, like mm. um without like imposing it on the text, you know. Yeah. So you want you want to be talking about what's there in the text, yeah. and then you might at some point say like, "All right, we're gonna take a yeah. break here yeah. and, and and discuss this." And then at the same time, like, what's your philosophy of preaching? Uh, I have a philosophy of preaching where the yeah, there's an element of teaching to it, 
but it's not a lecture where you just discuss the history mm. of something for 30 minutes and contrast these five views and blah, blah, blah. All right, cool, we're done now. Like, that's not what a sermon is. That's not what gathered worship is. The, the gathered worship is about the, the, the preaching of the Word of God, the explanation of the Word of God, pointing to Christ and, and His gospel, uh, seeking to, yes, teach, but, but edify the people, often just merely in the moment uh, that the Spirit be at work. Um, and so that's, that's difficult to discuss certain <laughs> things, certain topics well. Mm. Um, and I've just listened to a lot of sermons where I'm just like, man, this is not a Sunday sermon. Just, just hold a lecture on a Sunday afternoon and just do it there. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, just, it's, just, it's just not right. You know? Well, I think as shocking as it sounds, like, as a lay member, if you will, like just a Christian member, mm-hmm. nor- Are you normal member. You're not the fourth elder, no. Yeah, I'm the fifth elder. Oh right. <laughs> um, as as a member, <clears throat> all of your theology doesn't actually come from the Sunday sermon. Yeah. Like that shouldn't be the entirety. Yeah. Of your theology is what I'm saying. Mm. That's where you like revel in the glory of the gospel mm-hmm. you you are you worship mm-hmm. you know and you're worshiping with the saints gathered together picturing yeah. what's going to happen in the future there absolutely is knowledge being imparted and theology right but that really those things should spur you to study theology yeah. in your own time right. and in other ways as well right. as not just the Sunday sermon is not the full extent of that, yeah. nor is it the sole purpose. Totally, totally. And I, I, I think, and that's where it's like your own Bible reading, um, yeah. good podcasts. books, podcasts, and, and that can be very useful. And I think yeah. it's something that we got to grow in, yeah. just grow in as a church. And I, I got to grow in being able to put some of that forward. So I think we we'll come up with some reading lists of. Yeah. For people, yeah, and some some more basic books and. Well, a lot of the guys in the church have have started doing that from you, like. Exactly, and, uh, books and and I just I just you'd be surprised to see who's reading what based on recommendations, you know, and I think that's a good thing. Hmm. Um. So yeah, you you've been listening to some stuff lately, and you've been telling me how good it is, and. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still working through uh, the Caiaphas podcast series on Common Grace. I think they've got, I want to say, five or six episodes. I'm trying to look it up now. Um, They might even still be going on that topic. They had done a lot of stuff on the kingdom, and that was really, really good as well. Well, their whole a lot of their things are called the Kingdom of God and something but it was um let's see they've got one two three four five yeah so five so i'm on the i'm nearly done with the fourth one and there's one more on common grace and then they're starting the kingdom of god and new new covenant fellowship so that that sounds interesting as well um 
But common, the Common Grace stuff has been great. So good. I know we want to do an episode talking a bit more about that as well. Um, it's a concept that I'm familiar with now, though that only came about as we were reforming <laughs> right. in our theology. It was not a concept that I grew up with right. or was in the church circles that I was a part of before. Um, and so I think it's super helpful framework. It really ties into a lot of Christian liberty mm-hmm. um, and that kind of thing as well. So, yeah. We've talked a bit about it before. Right. So common grace is in relationship to special grace. <coughs> Sorry. Special grace or saving grace. Yep. And so saving grace, the grace of the gospel. Yep. Common grace being grace that is upon all creation, all mankind, basically. Right. To an extent. (laughs) Right. And its purpose is? The good of creation, the glory of God. Right. Right. You know, and I I think you're kind of, you're seeing it in order and restraining of evil on one side. In society, and then also just art, beauty, and and things of that nature. Yeah, just human beings being able to do, use the the capacity, the faculty, the mm. brains, the bodies that God's given so, them, and yeah. do things and create things and that kind of stuff. Yeah, Jesus Christ is Creator. Yeah. Um, super important. And he gives good gifts via creation, not just merely uh, salvation. Yep. So the fact that we can watch a TV show, or I can read a book, or we can listen to music, we can, you know, just, it's those kind of things that not everything has to be Christians that were created or conceived of or taught by a non-believer. Right. Because there can still be, I'm just going to use the word good, but there can still be good in it. Yeah. Um, And you can still glorify the Lord. There can still be truth in it. There's still beauty in it. All of those things. And there's freedom within that. Because there's a difference between things that are common and things that are sinful. Mm -hmm. Totally. Doesn't mean it's neutral, but it... Right. And your conscience and the word of God is going to dictate how you use those things or partake in those things yeah so i think you 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 talked about like todd mentioning you know genesis 4 you know right then and there you've got common grace starting to happen Mm, that was a while ago eh? yeah i don't even remember that (laughs) right but you know cities being built yeah tools being yeah yeah the fact that it was from Cain's line. Yeah. So Cain being, you know, the one who who killed his brother and was cursed and mm-hmm. all of that. From his line came the people that built cities, made weapons and tools and music. Yeah. So, yes, common grace there. I'd love to know what the Amish think about that, you know. <laughs> they probably got some fascinating teaching on well, Cain. Well, I mean... Not even the Amish, like just normal fundamental mm. Christians, fundamentalist Christians. The neo-fundamentalist movement were 
We build walls to keep all the baddies out. Well, I'm just saying, like, growing up, you know, yeah. if I listened to Broadway musicals, mm-hmm. okay, which I love good Broadway musical, mm-hmm. no, it was right. bad. Right. Because you can only listen to Christian music or classical music. You know, I, by my late teens, I was one of those kids where if you asked me, like, what's your favorite Christian music, I would literally be like, Master of Puppets by Metallica. Like, I was, I was, I was, I was that. <laughs> your parents let you do some I was weird like, I, was, I was one of those, like, edgy kind oh, of, I had, that, I had that kind of edgy band on me. Um, like, that's my favorite Christian. <laughs> you were exposed to too much too soon. <laughs> With the opposites. Uh, so, that's that quite funny. funny. That is funny. Um, so what would you say to someone, and uh, we, we should talk about common grace a lot more at some point, but <laughs> systematically deep dive, but what would you say to someone, and <laughs> you told me tonight, Todd Bordeaux's thing about, like, you've got an objection to common grace and you just, like, don't believe in it. Yeah. Um, like, what well, do you have to I, do? I don't do you like have, it. <laughs> yeah. What do you have to give up? Yeah. Like, what, what do you have to give up as far as uh, if, you, if you don't believe in common grace? <laughs> Most everything. Yeah. Like, like it, thinking, thinking about the food that you eat that is grown and shipped and packaged and sold by majority non-Christians. Mm-hmm. Any show that you watch, I mean, you could, maybe someone is going to only watch Christian movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but shows, books, so mm-hmm. entertainment largely goes out the window because non-Christians are involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, your clothes that you wear are made and, again, sold by non-Christians. Take off your clothes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're going to be hungry, naked, and bored at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the car that you drive. Right. That was invented by Henry Ford, if you want to go that far back, who's not a Christian. Um, and then the internet, mm-hmm. also invented by non-Christians, mm-hmm. largely now, non-Christians. Now, now you're very silent. Most, a lot of science. Right. So, it's probably a lot of medications and stuff that you're not mm-hmm. going to be taking. Um, yeah, and then his little kind of facetious point at the end was like, and and then you want to get on the internet and complain <laughs> about all of these, <laughs> yeah. all of the worldliness. Um, mm. So it's just it just drives home a point, mm-hmm. you know. And I there could be people that go to the extreme of being like, I'm going to make all my own clothes. I'm gonna cook my, you know, grow and cook my food, and I'm gonna like take care of all of that, mm-hmm. you know. And that would be consistent. With their thinking, right. in that sense, right. but very, most people are not. No. No. So I think there's just a lot of. He was just encouraging thankfulness. Yeah, I think there's just a level of hypocrisy that you wind up buying into mm-hmm. when you start denying common grace. It's just because you just like it does not make sense, and you just you have yeah. to like redefine. As I said. You know, you're not mm-hmm. thinking about your clothes, your car, your, you know. No. You're living in a common grace world. Yep. But most people who have a problem with it want to then pick and choose those issues. Yeah. 
and then pick and choose what the standard is on yep. those issues. And that standard is usually them and their own limits or convictions yeah. or preferences yep. imposed then upon others, yep. which then creates what legalism, lack of love, yep. othering. Yeah. You know. So uh, had a, you know, he's got like a rubric of like Christian attitudes towards culture. And the, the Christ against culture, that the, we're constantly to be warring against right. all aspects of culture. Yeah. And I think it really winds up being completely inconsistent um, because <laughs> you try, you try yeah. to create a Christian ghetto. Um, well, I just think, look at American Christianity. Yeah. Okay? Because everything then is on that standard and they don't even realize yeah how it's just a cultural thing yeah and then you you, you inevitably wind up importing when you, when you try to christianize everything you wind up paganizing so much mm. because you you're yeah. not viewing um yeah and and so you got to like hobby lobby for example <laughs> yeah right a craft store in yeah, america yeah craft, big craft store in america and Christian owners or something, right? Yeah. I don't even yeah. remember. Anyway, yeah. but like they've just got walls and walls and walls of, you know, there's only two people that laid down their lives for you, Jesus Christ and an American Marine, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. You know, so it's live, laugh, love, and then there's right. that. And, then you put it over. and it's blasphemous. Mm. Honestly. Mm. But you don't realize that, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. And so that that Christ against culture thing, when you try to Christianize things that are actually common, yeah, uh, doesn't mean neutral, but they're they're actually common and they're temporary until the return of Christ. Uh, that we they are to be enjoyed, and um, we live as exiles, yeah, really, yeah, until until the return of Christ, you mm-hmm. know. So Jeremiah twenty nine, seek the welfare of the city, like for yeah. in it, you know, plant gardens. Yeah. Old houses. Yeah. Um, it's not a Christian house. It's not a Christian garden. Mm. Um, could you put a Christmas tree in a Christian garden? I'd put a Christmas tree in a Christian house. <laughs> Why is it in the garden? Are you growing? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. So, and so, like, 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 for me, like, you, I mean, I think you always find this at Christmas. You know, mm. for example. Like you got a Christmas tree or Halloween. Like, I like. I am massively offended. Seriously, I I'm like I'm super blasé about Christmas. Right, for example. Yeah. But I'm massively offended by a Christmas tree in a church. Like I'm I'm like. Oh dear! Shots yeah, fired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I like I'm massively offended by a Christmas tree in a church because I'm just kind of like this does not belong there. Yeah. This is just importing. This is importing the like. The common... Yeah. yeah. What but if it's, it's in the foyer? Yeah, okay, maybe. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's, it's like it's like an American flag, you know what I mean? Or in, totally. Like, I know, you know what you mean. Like an American flag in, in a sanctuary. It's just like, no, the, the church is transnational. We're, we're not... Yeah. You know, we're, yeah. we're... It's not an American kingdom. It's yeah. not... It's, very few churches here yeah. would have a New Zealand flag, I think, in the auditorium. But, you know, it's just it's normal over there. It's just like you're confusing what's going on here. Hmm. Um, but, like, 
O holy night. For example, mm-hmm. joy to the world. Mm-hmm. Religious, very clearly, tempting to be Christian. Jingle bells. Okay, I don't know it's any not, church that sings jingle yeah, bells on I, Sunday. I, under, I understand, uh, you know. But, yeah. like, and you like you said, we need to be against Chris, Christmas as far as the Christ against culture thing. Well, jingle bells is just very simply... Common. Common. Yeah. It's not... Yep. Now, if someone's worshipping Santa Claus or bowing down to their Christmas mm. tree, that's a different thing. But I don't know anyone that does it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Anything else from you? Um, no, I just think there's some good, even, like, I mean, Paul's a good example of a lot of the common grace arguments and dealing with culture. And then also, um, I know Todd Bordeaux brought up, like, Daniel, obviously, when he was in captivity and, um, he worked, like, yes, he was obviously a captive, but he worked willingly and to the best of his ability for the good of... The nation that he was um, held captive by and rose to, you know, rose up the ranks because of that and was honored. And then obviously then when it came time to when he was forced to pick idolatry and disobeying God clearly or not, he chose to obey God. But all of the up to that point, Mm -hmm. he was working for. Yeah. The Babylonians. Yeah, he was. And helping them out. And, you know, they were killing, off killing people and taking other people captive and doing whatever they did, you know? Yeah. He's religiously separate. Yeah. But, but he drew a line there, you know? Yeah. And even Moses. Moses, who knew, you know, kind of what was going on from a semi-early age for him. Like, he studied all the Egyptian you know, yeah. like the, all their history and their teaching, totally. philosophy, and and that kind of thing. So, totally. yeah, I just think all of this interesting. Anyway, that was a lot more on common grace than I'd planned. That's <laughs> okay. And I, I, I guess lastly, like I, I've got a couple of things on the go. Like we're, we're 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 prayerfully looking at doing a debate in November, like an actual bona fide debate. Um, on who is biblical Israel, um, and we're we're trying to nail down some local speakers, and I think that's yeah. kind of the uh, the the hang up. So I got some kind of books mm-hmm. on that, and just starting to think through that, and uh, and then I am, and I'm probably going to go on a rant on this at some point, but <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm very concerned. Yeah, just with the state of the the church and the church in New Zealand, as well, mm-hmm. um, and as we kind of sort of face a new cultural epoch, kind of thing. Um, just the 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 issue of power, the issue of authoritarianism, the issue of dealing with our own hypocrisy, uh, I think becomes very important. So I'm looking at doing a. Doing the, we're hosting an Acts 29 conference in November, and I'm yeah. just really thinking through what to speak about. Um, and, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of around there. I'm reading a book called Redeeming Power by Diane Langberg. 
Um, and I'm splitting a few other things as well. And, and just really getting my head around just authoritarianism and and this kind of bent that... Yeah. Because then, then they're often just left out of conversation. They're left mm-hmm. out of... And I, I think there's a growing number of people that are just... One, people that have been hurt by the church, but two, those in ministry that are just like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is, well, we're leading like Gentiles. We're, um, and like, is there, there has to be a cruciform, a cross-centered, Christ-centered way of of leading and moving forward. And the church being able to put forward a better vision um, of humanity instead of like so often what I'm seeing happening mm-hmm. is that we're just getting discipled by the authoritarian left or the authoritarian right it doesn't matter if you're conservative or you're liberal it's just like everyone's just fighting to get their own way uh, and we, people people in the pews are getting discipled but the ministers as, as well and the elders they're just the church leaders it's just like mm-hmm. I need to win at all costs I need to crush the other side. And I think, yes, there's a need for bold stands for truth. But I think some of the ways that we do bold stands for truth need to be thought through if they're actually, as to how, if they're actually Christian or not. Hmm. So that's what, it sounds very kind of up in the air, but that's what I'm kind of thinking through and trying to work through. Yeah. Um, myself. Yeah. But you've also talked a lot more about more like the personal side of that kind of thing. Like the personal ramification and consequences of authoritarian, abusive pastors, spiritual abuse. Totally. And then even worse kinds of, I mean, not that I don't even want to categorize them as what's worse or whatever, but spiritual abuse is like the the harder to prove kind because the physical um, results are not there as of physical or sexual abuse. All of that is in the church though. It's just taking advantage of people for their harm and your gain. Yeah. Um, And doing that from a position of power and leadership. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's so important and I, I think you know, there are going to be people that are fighting against worldliness that are going to miss this aspect and they're going to be incredibly worldly themselves. Yeah. And I think that's something we need to watch out for. Uh, I understand all sorts of cultural moments that are happening as far as progressivism and, you know, whatever wave of the sexual revolution we're on right now and all all of those kind of things. Mm. Um, but yeah, like we gotta be, we've gotta, we've we've gotta be thinking holistically. Mm. Um, but there's been a lot of good. I mean, not everyone wants to acknowledge it, but there's been a lot of good that has come out of the Me Too movement and um, the different denominations. I mean, it kind of started with the Catholic Church's mm-hmm. uncovering of all that sexual abuse. And right. then it was easy for Protestants to say, oh, the evil Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. But it's been in the last 
five to ten years totally. that more and more is coming out in Protestant denominations. Yeah. And I think there's so much more writing and research and advocacy being done now that's going to be very good for the church right. if people actually want to listen. Yeah. Now, at times, some of those advocates push too far. Totally. But the pro- the thing you got to look for then is the pastors, the elders, the denominational leaders that try to hide and that view advocacy as an unwanted distraction. And some would even say an unwanted dis- an unwanted or even unwarranted distraction from the Great Commission. And I think that's right. horrifying to right. me. Um, so one of one of the one of the leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention said that all this talk about abuse and stuff in the church was a distraction from the Great Commission, and it's just like the culture mm-hmm. at large is having a massive watershed culture moment. Yeah, and then like so many of the church leaders, just like, ah, eh, we don't that doesn't involve us. Let's just move on. Well, you're completely tone deaf to think that your people, even if it's not been within or at the hands of your church, people in your church, that people in your congregation have not experienced abuse or trauma or any of those things. And and, and And that that affects your church. And it's, I know a ton of people who have. Absolutely. And, and, I feel like I'm the kind of person who's fairly safe to talk to on this kind of issue, and I know I'm probably missing a huge amount of people that haven't said anything. But Uh, if our greatest call (coughs) is to love God and love neighbor, how do you love your neighbor if you're going to ignore all of that? Yep. Yep. And on that bombshell... See, these are the things we talk about. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. Until next time. God bless you all.